0: When someone you know bangs on the cabin door, begging to be let inside before it gets him, you might want to open up that door. Welcome back to Camping Horrors, the podcast where real people share their most terrifying true camping stories, and I narrate them. Tonight's episode features folks passing out in the woods and awaking to disturbing sights, as well as a coven of witches who camp out in the woods, awaiting victims to perform their most horrible rituals. Enjoy, and don't forget to send us your scariest camping stories at darkstories.org. If you like what you hear, leave Camping Horrors a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you. You can find more of my narrations on my other shows, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room, which you can find over at eeriecast.com. Now, throw a log on the fire because the night is still young. Should have opened that door. From Tiny Teacher This incident occurred during a week-long camp with our class. I'm currently a teacher at the same school. When the bus arrived at the camp, there were separate cottages for the boys and the girls. After unpacking, we all headed out. Landon, being his usual troublesome self, was causing problems right from the start. Though he was disliked by about everyone, his exceptional athletic skills had prevented his expulsion so far. Sarah, one of the best students, used to be somewhat reserved, making her a target for his bullying. One of the teachers, Mr. Bradius, was often seen with Sarah and defended her. As Landon taunted her, tears welling up in Sarah's eyes, the girls would rush over to console her. And on this occasion, Kim was even shoving and punching at Landon. The teachers intervened, separating them. Kim wore a rare smile, something only seen when he was with Elisa. After things settled down, we began the camp activities. Landon excelled in competitions, of course, but remained an obnoxious presence. As night approached, Landon targeted Sarah again. He tripped her, causing her head to hit a rock and bleed. He then stepped on her ankle, adding injury to injury. Mr. Bradius intervened, grabbing Landon and tossing him several feet away. He picked up Sarah then, who was in tears and in pain. They headed to his cabin. Bradius sternly ordered, "'Landon, don't you enter any cabin or cottage while we're here.' Everyone, anybody who thinks of letting him in will be expelled. This was an unprecedented tone from the kind teacher. Sarah and Bradius entered the cabin, while the other teachers ensured Landon didn't enter any cabins. We closed the door and typical girl talk ensued. After about an hour, our conversation shifted to Sarah. I asked, Do you think she's alright? Jessica snarkily replied, Well, she's with her crush now, so I'm sure she'll be fine. Some of the girls gasped, but Jessica continued. Oh, come on, don't act like you don't know. It's so obvious. Talia chimed in. Maybe he likes her, too. Did you see how far he threw Landon? That was pretty epic. Elisa interjected with frustration. Of course that jerk would do that. Curious, I asked Elisa. What's wrong? She responded, Landon is banging on the door, demanding to be let in. Lachandra added angrily, he better not think of coming in here after what he did to poor Sarah. I felt uneasy and suggested, maybe we should let him in this time. This garnered surprised looks, but I gathered courage and continued, something doesn't feel right. Someone remarked that Landon was wearing white and had gone to the edge of the woods now. Moments after that, Landon began to bang on the door again. He sounded scared. ''Guys, open up. Come on. It's coming closer.'' I got up, but Jessica stepped in front of me, fiercely opposing any intention to open the door that I had. Jessica warned me, ''Don't even think about it.'' Undeterred, Landon pleaded. ''Just... just let me in, okay?'' I'm telling you, there's something out here. Lashandra yelled back. Not after what you did to Sarah. You're crazy if you think we'll let you in here. Strangely, I felt compelled, and I said, Guys, maybe we should just let him in. Jessica snapped. You touch that door, I swear I'll kill you. I rolled my eyes and pushed past Jessica, reaching for the door handle. Landon exclaimed, Oh my god, it's right there, open up! His voice sounded strange. I withdrew my hand, and the others regarded me oddly. Landon continued to demand entry, but Jessica yelled, Get lost! She slammed her fist on the door and shouted, You hear me? Go away! There were a few more noises, followed by silence. Our group went to bed shortly after. Morning arrived, with teachers urgently knocking on our door. We dressed quickly and headed out. Sarah limped from Mr. Bratius' cabin, a bandage on her head. She smiled and walked towards us. I asked, How are you holding up? She replied with a smile. Well, I've got a mild concussion, and my ankle's badly twisted. Can't really walk much. Mr. Bradius gathered our attention. As you can see, Landon isn't here. We need to find him, or there'll be consequences for the school. We were paired up, and sent into the woods to search for Landon. After about thirty minutes, we heard a scream, and we all hurried towards it. The teachers closed off the area, a trail of blood leading through them. Mario and Harris sat sobbing on the ground... At the end of the day, it was confirmed that the body found was Landon's. I still wonder if opening the door that night could have changed the outcome. But I'll never know for sure. Not One More Night From Morrington88 Last month, my girlfriend Ella and I decided to go camping at Mount Shasta. We're both into hiking and stargazing, so it seemed like the perfect romantic getaway. We drove up there on a Friday afternoon, found a nice secluded spot to set up our tent, and settled in as the sun started to go down. The woods got totally dark, and all you could see were millions of stars in the sky. It was so beautiful and peaceful, listening to the wind in the trees and the river flowing nearby. We cooked up some hot dogs in the fire pit, We then cuddled up in our sleeping bags, Ella using my chest as a pillow. I'm not sure what time it was when I suddenly woke up. I heard people walking around outside the tent, their footsteps crunching on the twigs and dirt. There were hushed voices too, but I couldn't make out the words. My heart started to race. Who would be out here in the middle of the night, in someone else's campsite? The footsteps circled the tent once, then again. The voices kept whispering. I remained frozen, staring wide-eyed at Ella, who was now awake and silent too. We were both petrified, just lying there, clutching each other silently. After a long and stressful while, the footsteps finally stopped near where Ella was sleeping. Then someone leaned against the tent wall right by her head. I swear I could hear them breathing. A million scary thoughts went through my mind. Were we about to get attacked, robbed, kidnapped? Every muscle in my body was tense. After leaning against the tent for a few more moments, I heard whoever it was finally walk away. Ella and I just lay there clutching each other, hardly daring to even breathe. My heart continued to pound i kept listening for more footsteps but it stayed quiet eventually i started to relax thinking maybe they were gone for good now but then i heard multiple sets of footsteps approaching again they stopped near ella's side of the tent once more pressing up against the wall some person started to slowly drag their fingers across it back and forth they squeaked across the fabric I realized with horror they must be drawing some kind of symbol or picture, but why? What were they doing? This went on for too long before the group finally retreated back into the woods. The sky was just starting to get light as Ella and I waited, still frozen, still scared, waiting for any sign or sound that they had returned. But we heard nothing except some birds chirping as soon as it was fully bright out we hurriedly crawled from the tent looking around frantically the camping area looked the same but as i did a wider sweep i noticed strange symbols carved into several of the trees there were also odd markings traced in the dirt around the fire pit we went to check the spot on the tent where the person had been standing for so long Drawing. We found something. Right at Ella's head level was a symbol painted on the outside of the tent in what looked horribly like blood. I didn't recognize the symbol at all. Some odd crisscrossing lines and a sort of star shape in the middle. After seeing that, we threw all our gear hurriedly into the car and sped back down the mountain, terrified. Who were these people? What did they want with us? We drove straight to the nearest ranger's station. We told them what had happened. The ranger's expression turned grim when we described the symbol left on the tent, which was four circles and a cross in the middle. He said another couple camping at Mount Shasta a few weeks back had come to him with a similar story. Footsteps, whispering voices surrounding their tent at night, Waking up to strange symbols carved and drawn everywhere. Against the ranger's strong advice, that couple had decided to stay another night in a different spot, thinking it was just a creepy prank. However, the man returned the next day, alone, his wife gone. He said his wife had been dragged screaming from their tent in the night and vanished into the dark woods. Days of searching by rangers and police turned up no trace of the woman except for her torn night clothes a few miles from the campsite. The ranger we spoke to said he suspected occult activity based on the symbolism found at both campsites. My blood ran cold. Had we accidentally stumbled onto some kind of ritual grounds? Were they going to try to abduct us too? In the following weeks, Neither Ella nor I could get the terrifying experience out of our heads. I tried searching online for references to the symbol left on our tent, thinking I could at least glean some meaning from it. But I found nothing in any occult databases, no matches to satanic or pagan rituals. Ella suffered horrible vivid nightmares, where robed and hooded figures emerged from the woods at night to drag us away into the dark. I could barely sleep for a while either, constantly feeling watched whenever I went outside, even in broad daylight. What do these people want from us? Who or what are they worshipping out there? It all remains a chilling mystery, but one thing's for sure. Evil lurks in those woods, claiming innocent lives. Night Walker from Sea Philly 100 After a recent discussion with an alumnus from a previous supply caravan to Black Mesa on the Navajo reservation, it has come to my attention that one of the gals who accompanied the caravan a couple years ago had a very curious experience. I was able to get her contact information, let's call her Amanda, and I interviewed her about the encounter. In an effort to be respectful of the culture and the taboo nature of the subject matter, we decided to change the names and categorization of whatever this is that she experienced down there. Just a bit of background. There's a company called Peabody Coal Mining, which leases tracts of land in and around Black Mesa, and the landscape is one of shallow topographical relief, marked by dry draws and arroyos, which are essentially dry creek beds that flood during periods of heavy rain which, granted, is not a very common occurrence in the high deserts of Arizona. The following is Amanda's experience, as she told me. One afternoon, I was trying to retrieve a lamb who had escaped from the enclosure. I got myself quite turned around. I couldn't seem to retrace my steps back to Johnny's compound, where his parents' Hogan was located. I was following an arroyo, hoping it would lead me to a road when I started to have an asthma attack. I think that I started hyperventilating, and I had a full-blown panic attack because I soon lost consciousness. When I came to, it was nighttime. I stood up and I looked around. I then heard something like a twig snapping behind me. I turned around to look then. In the pale moonlight, I thought I saw something duck behind a tree. It looked like the dark shape of a person who had been peering around the tree, but withdrew when I noticed it. But I could tell that it was still there. I called out. Hello? Hello? Silence. Hello? Hello? Is, someone there? Is someone there? I'm with the uh, Colorado, Colorado Caravan. Caravan. I think, I'm, I think lost. I'm lost. I laughed nervously. Can you help, Can me? help, me? help me? After a moment or so, The figure peered back out around the tree. Only this time, it appeared to be my friend, Charlie, from the caravan. The figure stepped out from behind the tree and motioned me to follow. Thinking that Charlie had been sent to bring me back to camp, and still feeling rather disoriented, I started to follow the figure back up the draw. We'd been walking for maybe five to ten minutes, when another figure, seemingly materialized from the shadow out in front of us, I felt a bolt of pain, like a severe migraine, so I had to stop. When I looked up again, there were three more figures. They were now standing in a semicircle before me. Now, the figures didn't look human at all. Rather, they looked like large coyotes, and I could see ten eyes looking back at me in the dim, silvery light. I started to stumble back. But the coyotes made no move to follow as I turned away. I ran for maybe five minutes before I stopped to catch my breath. I heard another twig snap, and I looked back to see one of the coyote's shapes silhouetted up on the ridgeline back in the direction I came. To my horror, the coyote appeared to stand up on its hind legs. Then it let out a bone-chilling scream. I've heard other people describe this before, but it almost sounded like a coyote howl magnified through a megaphone, then distorted with a heavy reverb-like sound effect. My head was pounding, but I truly felt in fear for my life, so I kept running. Eventually, I came to a service road, and I was able to flag down a Peabody Mine worker who was driving down the road in a work vehicle. I convinced him to give me a ride, telling him our caravan leader, Buck, could explain the situation to his manager if need be. As I climbed into the cab and we started to drive, I looked in the rearview mirror. There, I saw those eyes, reflecting the red brake lights from behind the truck. I don't think they followed us, but I couldn't be sure. So when the mine worker dropped me off at the compound, I ran into Johnny's parents' Hogan, which is a big no-no for non-natives, but I did not know where else to go, and I was still so very scared. Johnny's parents only spoke Diné, but I was finally able to express the gist of what happened in between broken sobs and sniffling. I saw Johnny's father's face go pale as he realized what I was trying to say. He then quickly shushed me, and went to look out the window. Johnny's mom went to the stove, collecting a small pan of ashes, which she dumped out on the table and began to dip bullets into the white ash, loading them into a three hundred fifty seven revolver. She was singing what I can only assume was a dene prayer for protection, while looking worriedly at me. They let me sleep inside, and nothing more happened that night. In the morning, they called a medicine man to come and pray over me. We still had a couple nights left, but decided to cut the trip short after that. Johnny said not to worry, that the walkers wouldn't bother them anymore, now that we were leaving, and that he was just glad I was okay. Suffice to say, I won't be going on any more caravans anytime soon. The year was 1999 in St. Paul, Minnesota. I was 14 years old, and I've had a friend and neighbor since childhood named Spencer. Spencer was Hispanic, and he was a pretty naughty kid. Always getting in trouble, and he sometimes got me in trouble with him as well. Even though he was naughty, he was a good friend since childhood. One day, we decided not to go to school. We lied that we were sick, to both sets of parents. We knew that our parents went to work so we could hang out together. Spencer and I rode our bikes around and went to see one of our friends named Justin. Justin's family was pretty well off and he too had lied to his parents that he was sick. So Spencer, Justin and I rode our bikes around the neighborhood, to the parks and so on. We always went to the junkyard to look for scraps and other stuff for us to use or build something crazy. We decided to go there and when we made it to the junkyard Mr. Fitzgerald knew us very well and always allowed us to come in and look for scraps. While we were looking for things I discovered a BB gun with a bag full of pellets. Quite the find for us. I called Spencer and Justin over and showed them what I found. The three of us were amazed but we decided not to tell Mr. Fitzgerald what we found. We just told him we'd stop by again some other time and we left. Now, we had a secret hideout that no one knew about except us. We found this place when we were younger, and we called it Hollow's Creek. Basically, it was a small pond well hidden in a dense forest surrounded by land, small trees, and grass around the pond. It was like our fortress of solitude. When we got there, we shot that BB gun around like crazy, at trees, at the ground, at the pond, and even up in the air to see if it would fall back down. We had so much fun that day. We just hung out at Hollows Creek for most of the day until it was time for us to go home. And when that time came, we left the BB gun there and we all went home. A few days later, on a Friday after school, Spencer, Justin, and I decided to add a new friend to the group. Her name was Emily. She was a good friend of Justin's. We decided to take Emily to our secret hideout at Hollows Creek. We'd brought sleeping bags, snacks, and drinks. We had a small camping trip down at Hollows Creek. As we camped, we didn't know how to start a fire, so we decided to use flashlights instead. Truth be told, it got pretty creepy there at night. It was starting to get dark, but we were eager to stay and camp through the whole night. The time was soon 10 PM. It was just Spencer, Justin, Emily and me. We'd brought a tent for the boys to sleep in and Emily had brought her own. But we set up the two tents close together just in case Emily got scared or one of us did. Spencer grabbed the BB gun, leaving it in our tent. We said our goodnights and we all went to bed then. At about 3 AM in the morning, I was awakened by the sound of the zipper of our tent opening. It was Emily. She was trying to come into our tent. From the way I saw her face, she looked scared, terrified even. I was worried, so I asked, Emily, what's wrong? What's going on? She replied, Someone's out there, and they came and touched my tent. I was scared then too. So I woke up Spencer and Justin, telling them what Emily just told me. We were all together, looking around while we were inside the tent. Justin said, Spencer, grab the BB gun, we may need it. So Spencer listened. He went over and grabbed it from under his pillow. He even pumped up the air on it. The thing was ready to shoot at anything that came close to us. That was when someone or something came and touched the tent. Spencer turned and shot the BB gun. The pellet went through the tent. It was a direct hit, but we heard the most terrifying scream imaginable. The scream was coming from everywhere around us all at once, and there was a sudden smell of smoke like something was burning. We all screamed together as well. Then we all ran out of the tent, gathering our things in a hurry. We were so frightened. We got on our bikes and we left Hollows Creek. We all went to my place and spent the night there, but I don't think we slept at all. We stayed up all night talking about what we had just witnessed at Hollows Creek. After that day, the four of us never went back there. We lost our little secret hideout. The night we stayed at my place, we didn't know what we encountered. All we did know was that we witnessed something terrifying. Years went by. Emily and I are married now, actually, and we have three beautiful girls. But that encounter back at Hollows Creek when we were kids? I'll never forget it. Crazy Woman on Holiday From Masai Riot Something happened a few weeks ago that I still can't explain. I woke up feeling groggy after a hard day at work. But since it was Saturday, I took my time getting out of bed when my phone suddenly rang. It was my brother. I answered and immediately heard. Hey, how are you doing? With my groggy head, I replied, Man, I just woke up. What's up? He replied after laughing. Okay, bro, so we both don't have anything to do this weekend, right? I answered. Yeah, I know. Do you have a plan? Sounds like that's why you might have called me. He then replied. Yep. We're both free for the weekend. And the old man is free anyway because he's retired. So why don't we guys just go have a good time in Germany on a beer tour? Sounded fun to me, so of course I agreed. We scheduled the trip, and a few days later... We were off driving to Germany. On the drive there, there were loads of laughs and drinks. We were thoroughly enjoying the trip. One photo after another, capturing moments of a man in his 70s traveling with his sons, all of us living in the moment. Days were spent indulging in beer and fun, until we arrived at a hotel near the Black Forest. That's where an ex of mine apparently happened to work. Upon entering the hotel, Ginny immediately recognized me. She ran towards me and wrapped her arms around my neck. Pulling back slightly, I looked her in the eye and exclaimed, Oh my gosh, Ginny, you look great. My dad and brother exchanged odd looks, prompting me to explain, Oh, uh, this is Ginny from way back at the camping site we used to frequent when I was young. You remember, Dad. Ginny chuckled and explained that her husband owned the hotel, meaning she did too, and she declared that we'd all earned free drinks for the night. We thanked her wholeheartedly and indulged in a wild night of drinking. My dad was the first to retire to bed, followed by my brother after a couple more drinks. Before taking off, my brother handed me a key to one of the rooms, saying, It's all yours, man. As I took it from him, my attention was drawn to a stunning young woman with black hair who kept her gaze downward. Ginny warned me about her, saying, I knew a girl like her would capture your attention, but let me warn you, sweetie. She and her friends can be bad news. I turned to Jenny and asked, What do you mean by that? She took a shot of Jaeger, fixing me with a serious look as she explained, There's word that she and her friends are in a coven. And, well, the Black Forest is nearby. Finishing the last bit of my rum, I responded, well, if you remember me as well as you did when we were together, you know how I feel about those things. Ginny's demeanor changed. She grabbed me by the arm and insisted. Trust me on this. You know my feelings have always been right. Sighing, I conceded. I know, but you also know me. She smiled, handed me the key to the hotel, kissing my forehead, and admitted. I'll let you stay here free forever if you manage to survive this night with her. With that, she guided me towards the black-haired girl, and we struck up a conversation. As we shared our interests over drinks, she invited me to join her and her friends for a trip into the black forest. I paid for her orders, and we made our way into the woods. Upon reaching the forest, she sprinted ahead like a wild animal in pursuit of fresh prey, leaving me struggling to keep up. Eventually, I actually lost sight of her. At that point, I was surrounded by darkness. I called out her name, and eventually I heard a giggle. That was odd, so I quickly took cover in some foliage. I remained still until the giggles ceased. Only then did I emerge from my hiding place. I spotted this flickering light. I was drawn towards it, though I would soon regret this decision. As I approached... I realized that something was amiss. Eight women stood in a circle around a large fire and among them was the black-haired girl I was meant to be with holding an unmoving cat. The women began chanting something leaving me initially stunned but I managed to regain my senses. Considering fleeing back to the hotel I took a step back but accidentally stepped on a branch causing it to crack. All the women turned their attention to me, and the forest grew silent. Suddenly, they erupted into screams in unison. Panicking, I turned and sprinted back to the hotel, their screams hauntingly trailing behind me. Upon reaching the familiar streets, the screaming ceased, but I continued to run until I made it back to the hotel. Using my key, I entered my room without hesitation. An hour later, there was a loud banging on my door that jolted me awake. Peering through the peephole, there stood the same black-haired girl, her face now contorted with horrific anger. And I swear, her eyes turned red as she stared at me, her demonic voice demanding, Open up, now. Somehow, something compelled me to comply. I opened the door and she rushed into the room, Her face inches from mine as she uttered in that horrifying voice, You saw nothing, and you'll let me keep walking your plane. Stepping back into the hallway, she remained unblinking, her black hair obscuring everything but her eyes. Suddenly, the front door slammed shut, but when I looked through the peephole again, she was gone. The following day, I recounted the night's events to Ginny, and she arranged for a new room for me. I did encounter the black-haired girl again a few more times, but it was as though the fateful night had never happened to her. I never told my brother nor my dad about the incident, but I believe that the black-haired girl was part of a coven and that she was possessed that night. Thank you for stopping by at our little campsite here at Camping Horrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us for narration at darkstories.org. For more narrations from me, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails. And be sure to leave Camping Horrors a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now then, I'll see you soon, when the campfire blazes once again.